a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the podcast show, everybody. Really appreciate it. MotorcycleSuperstore.com, on board with these things now, and uh, and we thank them. Uh, they're a lot like you. They're a passionate team that speaks moto, from talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride, to the latest parts and gear, to the Motorcycle Superstore Suzuki team that they have now. This is what drives them to, to be the place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands in gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. MotorcycleSuperstore.com, and you can save just by listening to this podcast. Use the code PB-PULP16, P as in Peter, B as in boy, dash as in dash, PULP16, to save yourself at MotorcycleSuperstore.com and on all participating brands, and we thank you guys for uh, teaming up with them to help us, and hopefully you enjoy the Jimmy Johnson podcast, which, by the way, was prearranged with help from Justin Brayton, and I was told by Jimmy Johnson's PR person that it was 30 minutes and 30 minutes only. And so I was uh, quick to uh, end the podcast at 30 minutes. However, when I was talking to Brayton, he seemed to think that Jimmy had no time limit at all and probably would have kept on talking, and he was happy to do it. And so I really kind of screwed myself by just not asking if we could go longer than 30 minutes because I did have some more questions for the six-time NASCAR Sprint Cup champion. But uh, hope you enjoy it. Thanks to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Thanks to RacerX, and thanks to you jerkies. All right, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to the RacerX Online Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer. If they don't carry Fox, uh, go somewhere else. Uh, limited edition gear out now. Glow-in-the-dark Fox gear introduced at New York. Supercross, of course, is out there. Kenny Roxon, Ryan Dungey, just uh, some of the guys that wear Fox. RacerXOnline.com forward slash subscribe to get the latest issue which has a terrific feature written by our own uh, Jason Wygant on uh, my guest here and Justin Brayton on the BTO Sports KTM team. They've uh, forged a friendship and uh, two guys that uh, are elite level uh, in their sport. Uh, welcoming six-time NASCAR Sprint Cup champion and the number 48, of course, Jimmy Johnson. What's up, Jimmy? How are you? Doing well. Love talking all this moto stuff and doing the article <laughs> to, uh, to being on here with you, so it's yeah. great. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, exactly. You're back onto the moto world, right? Um, which is funny because I flipped through, I have a ton of old uh, motocross magazines here, and you're in some of them. And <laughs> I don't know if the NASCAR people really realize, like, in talking to RJ and Dogger uh, and Glover, like, you were really good at motocross. And they all said, anyways. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I paid them all off or something. <laughs> yeah, really, right? <laughs> um, first up, real quickly, uh, you got a couple wins this year, and uh, fifth in the points in the sprint car uh, standings right now, of course, for setting up for yourself for the playoff, which is more of a win-based thing. But how's the season going? It's been good. I mean, we were fortunate to lock in early. Um, and <clears throat> it really allows us to kind of try some stuff. So, you know, we, we've had <clears throat> fast cars, and unfortunately a couple kind of weird races take place over the last few weeks. 
Um, but all in all, it, it's been good, and you know, it's it's almost a blessing. At the same time, it is, uh, it's it's a hindrance to get off to such a good start in our <laughs> right. sport. Yeah. Because technology changes so fast. Um, we're on different tires all the time, and that changes the setup of the cars. Uh, the rules always seem to evolve and change a little bit. Uh, but we came out swinging, won two races in, like, the first five, uh, threat for a couple other wins, and then uh, we want to get back to our winning ways. Uh, it, there's nothing better than winning. Yeah, really, right? Um, and me, as a former mechanic, I was a factory mechanic for a number of years, and, and before I became this uh, media guy, I valued, um, you know, I was changing the parts, and I was watching the bikes from the sidelines and uh, trying to make suggestions where I can. But it really comes down to the rider and what they're feeling and kind of what they want to go in and to make the, the dirt bike work better. I'm guessing in, in NASCAR, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it's you and the crew chief at the same time, right? Like, in, I feel like in our sport, the, the riders kind of can lead you any way they want they're the number one reason why a bike works or doesn't work whereas i feel like in nascar the uh the crew chiefs are huge as long with along with the drivers yeah you're, you're totally right i mean you know i think one big element is you know i'm strapped to the car and i can't manipulate or influence the car and what i want to do except for uh the inputs through the steering wheel uh, the gas pedal and the brake pedal mm-hmm. so you're pretty limited and i know from crossing over just from um, you know, moto was <clears throat> when I was was young, and then got into off road, um, and then to stock cars. Just changing the fact that I wasn't jumping or on the dirt mm-hmm. really limited what I could do in the car in a stock car. And frankly, it took me you know a couple years to kind of figure some stuff out. And I, I was moving up quickly through the ranks. And fortunately, I had patient owners, but um, I didn't shine all that well until I got my my opportunity at Hendrick Motorsports, which was only my fifth year ever in a stock car. Mm-hmm. So. I made a lot of mistakes. A lot of people wondered what the heck Hendrick saw, but they saw something and put me in it, uh, in, in the cup car, and it took off. But, you know, in our world, engineering really controls it. And just in my time at, at Hendrick Motorsports over these 15 years, I would say our engineering staff was, you know, 15, 10%, 15% of our total, uh, you know, total workforce. Yep. It's like 80%, <laughs> if not more. Right. It, it's amazing. Um and ultimately, I've got to be able to drive it. But first, they're trying to build the best mousetrap they can, yep. and then eventually come to me and say, "Hey, we're going to try something off the wall today. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you can you can drive it and control it." Uh, where a bike, <clears throat> you know, you have that chance to manipulate the bike. Your fitness is such a big part. Um, it certainly is in stock cars, but it, it's not mm-hmm. equal to to moto at all. Yeah, it's, it's it's tough to compare anything to moto when it comes to that a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, uh, lots of talk in our sport about this chase format. I'm sure you've heard some of it from Brayton and other guys. We've uh, we've had a lot of runaway uh, guys for the titles over the years, and we want to ultimately we're in the entertainment business. You know, kind of like NASCAR has stated many times. Um, you guys went to a chase format. You've changed it over the years. Now it's more of like a playoff format. Lots of people in our sport, Jimmy, are super pissed off about going to a chase. And uh, the rumors from the Feld folks is the last seven will be the, the chase. Um, what did you think of it uh, in NASCAR? What do you think of it now? And, and would you be in favor in something like in Supercross of that? I'm so torn. I mean, I'm still <laughs> torn from my experiences. Yeah. And I've won, you know, I've won six championships with the chase format, and I'm still torn. Um, <laughs> the latest chase format I have not won in, but right. the one prior to I have. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. If, if, and I'm great friends with, with Dungey. If, if you're Dungey, it's the last thing you want to see. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, other guys that are fast but maybe you know, aren't as consistent, 
you know, it might open the door for them to, to, to stay focused for a shorter period of time. Or, you know, if you have an unfortunate injury early, you can come back. Um, you know, it's, it's tough for me, and I always try to put on what's best for my sport hat. Mm-hmm. And I, you can argue it, and it does chase away some fans, but it does bring in some new. Um, I can't say that one way is better than the other, but I do know that the world's changing. The way fans view, watch, uh, enjoy sports is, is different than it's ever been. And if, if you've got a runaway, it doesn't matter if it's a single event or a championship, you seem to lose viewership. So. Mm-hmm. I could see why a sanctioning body is doing it. NASCAR's done it. It doesn't surprise me, but you know, if I'm Dungy or a Dungy fan, I'm not sure that's what I want. No, I agree. Uh, the only people who would be upset would be Dungy, Roger DeCosta, and the KTM guys. But <laughs> right. for me, I mean, I think it's uh, – I'm think it's. I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it happens. Um, let me ask you this. As a guy – again, I'm not a huge NASCAR guy. Uh, I used to follow CART heavily back in the day before they separated. Um, I'm more into the motocross bikes and, 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 and that kind of things. But – I mean, as a guy that, you know, you race dirt bikes and, and you saw RJ and you were in the in the thick of those things and you're in the sport now and friends with Dungy, tell me, Jimmy, why aren't we any bigger? Why isn't our sport bigger? Help me. Man, it's, it's, <laughs> it's wild. I, uh, I've got a couple of opinions. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, I, I I think that your sport looks. I think moto looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean the the shows on television, uh, the packed stadiums, but obviously the business dynamics and the way it works. There, there's a big part to it, and you know I think that things are changing. Even the NASCAR um, template doesn't work, and, mm-hmm. and the owners finally had to go to NASCAR and say, hey, we need to you know we need to start um, a race team alliance, and mm-hmm. then we need to somehow figure out how to franchise um, these these. Uh, race cars that are coming into the event right. give the owners a piece of what's going on, a piece of what NASCAR is seeing, a piece of the TV money, and essentially a piece of what Feld is seeing and a piece of that money. Um, when you rely solely on manufacturers, and I grew up racing off-road trucks, and yeah. when off-road trucks were popular, it was fully supported by Chevy, Ford, Nissan, Dodge, Toyota. Fully supported. When they, when yep. they changed their marketing plan, things got ugly quick. And right now, from my limited point of view, Moto's funded by the manufacturers. Yep. Um, the only other inbound money is routed through Feld, so or Feld, whatever it's called. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the tricky part. And I wish that the the team owners could have a piece of what was going on. I wish that your sport could end up in a sport like NASCAR has, uh, the way it just recently went, because I mean, there's, there's a lot of money out there. And when there's transparency <laughs> yeah. between the sanctioning body and the owners, and then the owners and the riders or drivers, um, everybody understands the business dynamic, and, and it's just better for everybody. I couldn't agree with you more. You're absolutely right. Make these guys partners. Make everybody invested in ev- helping everybody grow. Yeah. You know? and I feel yeah. so bad for the riders, having as many friends as I do in the sport. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm at 40, and I'm in the best years of my career. I feel like I'm doing the best job I can. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are done at 30, yep. 35, whatever it might be. Um, that's young. Yep. It's so young. And the toll that the riders take on their body physically, the sacrifice they have to make, sacrifices they have to make. Um, man, I just feel like, you know, a couple are compensated well. But when you go down through the field, yeah. uh, man, it, it just it needs to be spread out a bit more. There uh, needs to be it, more, more given back. I, I yell about this on all my shows. The, the 12th place guy is so gnarly, so and you know he's so unbelievably skilled. He's probably making, I'm not kidding you, 1.5 to 2 million less than Ryan Dungey. And Dungey should get make the most. He's the baddest dude. But you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. we're so the guy in 12th place is making 50 grand. 
80 yeah. grand a year, you know? <laughs> I look at my sport, man. I, I'm, I make a mistake, and I spin it out and stick it in the wall. I dust myself off, and there's another car sitting there. <laughs> One of these guys go down, they're out 68 weeks minimum. Yeah, they're I mean, done. It's brutal what they go through. Um, let me go quickly back in the day with you. So you're younger than RJ, right? Yes. Um, so when RJ's on Team Honda, top of the world, I mean, literally the best rider in the world, the baddest dude anywhere, um, are you already getting you're, – you're into trucks, I guess, at this point and t- doing the Mickey Thompson thing, but um, did you ever see that in Rick? Did you see him being that guy when you were growing up, kind of? Well, it's so wild with RJ. Um, my grandparents owned a motorcycle shop in El Cajon, California, mm-hmm. and my, my dad ran the service department. My dad would go to the track and take care of – you know, customers' bikes and, and so on. And Rick actually lived with my parents for a period of time. Um, late in high school, or I don't even think he graduated high school at the mm-hmm. time. He got his GED later, but he lived with my parents. So the first year or two of all my baby photos, there's Rick. Like, right. He lived with us. So, <laughs> you know, through his Yamaha days, when I got obviously older, um, he floated me bikes. He had some kind of bike deal. So I had matching gear, <laughs> the 50, the 60, the 80. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I quit. Let's see. I'd say probably '87 was my last year. So yeah, he was he was Rick Johnson then. He was the man. Yeah, yeah. He was he was rolling. Um, I, uh, I rode for Rudy and Dean on the Suzuki program, okay. e-bike program yeah. for what in '85 and '86. Right. You know, went to Ponca and Loretta and all that good stuff. Um, got hurt too much, and honestly, when I moved up uh, to the next age bracket. Um, it was it was just tough on me. I was getting used up. <laughs> and with the injuries, my dad's like, we need to find your roll cage. So my life proceeds. I head down this off-road route. Right. Rick has his injuries. You know, of course, we're yep. so close, as we've always been. But then he he naturally looks to off-road truck racing yep. because it's so similar to moto. Um, he gets his foot in the door with Chevy, You know, gets that relationship firmed up. He knows they're looking to start his second off-road truck team in the stadium program. And he's like, hey, look at, look at Jimmy. I mean, he's kicking butt in the super light class. Let's, right. let's bring him in. So they put me on the test program, and I helped develop their new stadium truck. And, you know, in my dreams, I always, you know, Rick, Rick was the guy. And mm-hmm. I always wanted to race against him and had that, you know, fantasy in my mind. Well, here I am in off-road trucks racing against <laughs> yeah, him, which exactly. equally as cool. And uh, through many different twists and turns, he's helped me many, many times. And I was finally able to help get him back into Chevrolet and into their off-road trucks in, uh, I guess, the late 90s. And then when I went into ASA and started racing stock cars, I was able to help get him onto that program as well. So, man, we've known each other for ages. And uh, I wouldn't listen to my dad. You know, most most kids don't want to. (laughs) And my dad would tell Rick what I needed to hear, and I'd listen to Rick. So yeah. it worked out well. Yeah, it's crazy. So, again, in Al Cajon, is, do you know you're around Glover and Lachine, Burnworth, all these dudes? Yeah, I yeah. mean, of course I knew who they were. Right. Uh, Ronnie lived just a couple miles. I just lived above him on this hill um, and ride my bicycle to school every day by his house. Um, their practice tracks were all in the hills where I grew up. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd, <clears throat> I'd go out and check out practice tracks and where Glover lived. And Brock was kind of winding down then. Right. Um, and my, my first real experience in, in hanging out with Brock, um, we knew each other, of course, but I went to do a, a road course driving school at Sears Point. Okay. And Brock was there working for the Bondurant School as an instructor. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, yeah. I've came to do a four-wheeled <laughs> thing, and my instructor is the legendary Brock Glover. You kidding yeah, there's a guy down the street from me. Yeah, yeah right. it's just wild. So and I, I saw him in Atlanta. I hadn't seen him in years. It was great to see him again.
Hey, for real, though, if you'd stuck with the moto thing and hadn't gotten hurt, I mean, when you look at the results of old cycle news and old motocross actions and things, like you're one of the elite guys in the 80s, you know what I mean, coming up. Um, how good you could you think you could have been? Like, were you feeling that was going to be your course? Were you going to be Rick Johnson until the injuries I, came? Man, I don't know. I, I feel like I was a slow learner. Um, <laughs> And thankfully, through the four-wheeled career and, and uh, people being patient with me, I had enough time to, to get my opportunities. But I, I don't know. I, it's hard to say. I mean, mm-hmm. Craig Decker was in my kind of uh, yep. you know, grouping Group, coming yeah. along. Israel Lusk, Damon Huffman. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember all those old names. Uh, Sean Thornton was a, a local guy that, that got into some other stuff, um, You know, moving out into the, the other branches of mm-hmm. racing. Um I don't think so, but it was such a great part of my childhood and, and really the most – I can't wait to get out of the four wheels and get back on two because it's, there's a clause in my contract that won't let me ride. I was, was going to say, do you ride now at all? Wygant was telling me you don't. You really can't, right? No, I can't. The mountain bike doesn't seem to offend anyone, but I can uh, – so I can sneak out on it. But a dirt bike – I had one maybe oh four oh five. Uh, Buddy Antonez and I were teammates at, at R&D, mm-hmm. and uh, he sent me one of his arena cross practice bikes. Oh, cool. Back. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, sweet, I got a bike. <laughs> so it's sitting in my garage. I'm riding a little bit, and Mr. Hendricks stopped by to visit. He mm-hmm. doesn't live too far away. And when he was leaving my house, he saw it, and he's like, whose bike is that? <laughs> that's, that's a friend's. And he goes, really? Your friend parks his bike in your garage? That's odd. Get rid of it. <laughs> that was the end of it. And that was it. Um, yeah. You become friends with Justin Brayton, as the, the story talks about in the new uh, Racer X magazine. Uh, get it now, people. Shameless plug. But um, uh, I, I'm good buddies with Brayton. You know, I go to all these things and cover him. He's telling me, like, you're – look, people maybe on the motocross side want to, uh, you know, look at you guys driving cars and, and shake their heads and think, oh, there's nothing to that or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it couldn't be probably more off um, on that kind of endurance and the, the mental sort of psychology of racing and, and, and racing your way to the top in any kind of class. Brayton was saying, like, you're a lot of, you're a big help when it comes to sort of thinking things out and keeping a level head. Because sometimes Justin can get a bit spun out. Even he admits that, you know. Yeah. Um, and you've, you've really helped him out with that. Man, I've, I've been a very optimistic guy through my career. And there are many years where... <laughs> Um, I probably shouldn't have been so optimistic <laughs> where I was going to turn up. Uh, but I always had people coach me and guide me through my career. I mean, back yep. to Rick Johnson. Right. Uh, most notably, uh, late in my career has been Jeff Gordon. And I've just so appreciated people you know, being honest with me and sharing their stories. And I also know my journey and just wondering, you know, what are the, what are the fast guys doing right now? What's their day like? What's their life like? Uh-huh. How do they manage this? How do they manage that? And through it all, I've just realized that, Nobody has any secret sauce. Nobody does. Um, everybody has, is insecure. Everybody lacks confidence at times. Like everybody rides this roller coaster, and that's what I've, mm-hmm. I've kind of shared with Justin in, in the times that we spend mountain biking and hanging out. Is you know you've got to figure out a way, and we're all different. So however you can shake that off and go again, you know believe in in what you do, believe in who you are, you know build real confidance, not false confidence, like I'm mm-hmm. going to run through this wall right now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've been putting in the time, I've been working hard, I've been doing drills, I've been honing in on this particular thing, and, and, and start stacking pennies, and believe it. And uh, that's what I do, and all I've done with Justin is just share the little things that I, I do to keep my sanity, yeah. <laughs> and surprisingly, they've, they've worked very well for him as well. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, and probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015. When you order, you can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire was wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage. And normally, you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit. But this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses. Key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction handling. They do it all. Starcross Five, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out. The local dealer people. These guys no tires and they know what they're doing yeah it's crazy because again from an outside looking at nascar following it everyone says oh jimmy johnson he's a natural he's so talented one of the most talented drivers ever six-time nascar sprint cup champ you know only one behind uh some of the greats in the sport but like all racers um you're you know you go through things and people would think oh this guy's a he's an iron man there's nothing can affect jimmy johnson but it's weird the a racer's mentality is always always trying to you know think about do you stack up what are you doing are you doing enough are you doing too much uh, what's this guy doing right it's crazy totally i mean a couple things one my my early years i didn't have any success until i was 26 mm-hmm. um i did well i did enough to move on to the next spot 
won some races, won won some smaller championships in off-road, but it was a long grind for me, and I had to find ways to feel satisfied leaving the racetrack as I was coming through the off-road ranks racing against Ivan Stewart and Walker Evans and Rick Johnson, Rodman, all these studs, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to beat them. <laughs> then I get into stock cars. I don't know a thing about them. Right. I got to figure out what, how to drive them, what to do, how to set them up. And it's such a different dynamic and worrying about the setup of a vehicle as detailed as they are. So I had to find my own ways to measure myself and know that I was advancing as a, a, a racer. And then, you know, the, the thing that, that was most notable for me, and, and I think I tried to pass along to Justin, was that, you know, everybody lacks, everybody has these insecurities that they can't, that, that that you can't shake off. They're they're mm-hmm. there. Um, so your your map, your road, you know those things help you develop into the individual you are. And, and instead of fretting about it, embrace it, man. Go with your strengths. Chase those things. Make them better. Make them stronger. And uh, you know that that journey has, has suited me well. And then once I had my chance, once I was finally 26 and watched all these other dudes around me succeed and take off then I was put in the right situation with my team. Mm-hmm. And the fuse was lit, and we had all this great success. But the thing that's so tricky with stock car racing is and you can't physically yeah. move the car around. Right, right. So the engineering aspect and the the community, the group, the the uh, camaraderie, the, the connection that you have with your crew chief to develop the equipment is – Damn, more important is probably more important than your ability to drive the car. Right. So sensing what you feel, communicating that, working through the details—that's where the magic is in our sport, and that's I think that's missed in, in from the outside. A lot of people don't mm. see the engineering aspect, and we don't have telemetry on the cars. It's up to the driver to be the computer. Yeah, I got a tour of JGR. You know, obviously they're in moto, and I got a tour of their shop. And I, again, as a NASCAR newbie guy, I was blown away by the technology in these cars. That that tour that Coy gave me, which by the way, the entire time Coy was uh, tell, calling everybody in the shop morons and idiots. Um, <laughs> but but the entire time that Coy was giving me the shop, I had my eyes open. Where I'm like, wow, I can't believe how in depth these guys are. And yeah, how NASCAR know. tries yeah. hard to keep the expense down, so they they yep. dumb it down. They keep our vehicles, you know, simple materials, simple things. Don't allow the data, but. When we're away from the track, we yeah. can use anything we want. Sure. And as you saw, there's there's a lot that goes into these race teams. And it's crazy because uh, don't you feel like in moto, like Justin Brayton, for example, is a phenomenal talent. I've seen him jump things at Supercross that uh, maybe only James Stewart or no one else does, and he can do it repeatedly. He's a phenomenal talent. And, um, you know, in our sport, in moto, uh, the mental outlook, uh, you know, there isn't much to separate Ryan Dungey and Justin Brayton. Um, riding on a dirt bike skill-wise. It's probably that last 10%, that last 5% is so mental. Uh, we saw it last summer with Justin Barsha. He kind of had a start of a slow outdoor series. He wins in the mud. Ryan goes down in the first turn. Justin wins in the mud, and then he can't be stopped. He's like a new guy, and nothing yep. changed. It's all upstairs. It is, and I mean, when you're dealing with the upper, you know, that top, that last few percent, um, that's all that separates, you know, those guys on the gate, um, all 20 of them. Mm-hmm. The the difference, and I mean, you can look at it, even Ryan, if you go back to, to Ryan Dungey a few years ago, um, in his evolution. Now now we think of him as a multi-time champion mm-hmm. and, and doing all that he does, but he's had his own journey to work through his own insecurities, his own things to, to really take advantage of that last 1% or 2%. And that's tough. That's a journey. Um, Roxon seems to be landing on that right now. You've got Tomac that seems to be trying to find that again. Mm-hmm. Shows speed at times, but that consistency and to operate at that level every lap, every day, <laughs> every right. year is so hard. 
Um, and I, I, I'm such a big fan of, of Brayton, an amazing guy, great friend, um, huge talent, and it's just the final you know little percent. And I watched him make so much progress over the course of the year. Uh, you know, I'm excited for outdoor for him. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to what next year is going to bring for him. Uh, I'm I'm reading too and and hearing like you're into mountain bike racing. You love mountain biking right now. Uh, um, you must love it. Yeah, that's my that's, that's my passion. connection back yeah. to my childhood. I guess. Right, for right. Now. <laughs> uh, I love being on two wheels. Love pedaling. Yeah. Uh, do plenty of road cycling, and then on the mountain bike whenever I can. The uh, the Mickey Thompson truck series that you did. That's this is in the stadiums, right? With um, well, both I guess. But you did the stadium series for a while. Yes. Yes, how, much fun, how much fun was that stadium series? I saw a few of those as a fan. Uh, they looked so much fun. They were awesome. I mean, I I was really young, so I started in the Superlight Division when mm-hmm. I was 15. And then uh, at the end of uh, the next year, um, I had a contract with Chevy to develop a, a new truck that Rick Johnson was going to eventually mm-hmm. end up driving. Um, so to... To be that young, I mean, I'm still in high school, and here yeah, I am yeah. racing against Ivan Stewart, Walker Evans, and all these guys. Right, uh, was was insane. But I did learn a lot of great habits, but I did have a few bad habits. Um, those events, you know, a main event was five minutes long, <laughs> uh, and then as I transitioned into the desert racing, uh, I was in a trophy truck for Chevrolet and for Nelson and Nelson Racing. You know, here I'm used to five minutes being the the race, and I can't tell you how many times I made mistakes so early. Uh, tore the truck up. I just, just I wasn't pushing. wired yeah. for both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I could go back and do a great job in the desert racing. But at yeah. the time, uh, I did win, win, I guess, the Parker 400. But I had some huge crashes. And one big crash, I took out the very first mile marker. I just let you know how good my patience <laughs> were. Uh, can you believe uh, yourself, like you said, dirt bike racing, then uh, off-road trucks, then trophy trucks. Uh, you're now in Charlotte, and you're a NASCAR six-time champion stock car racer uh, from the West Coast. Uh, it's a uh, kind of bizarre path. I bet you know, if you had somebody told Jimmy Johnson in uh, you know 1990 that this is what you were going to do, you would have been like, "What? You're crazy!" Yeah, it was never on the radar for me. I mean, I just I was having fun racing. Didn't think a career would come out of it, and if if one could, IndyCar was where I thought I would go. And you got Rick Mears, Robbie Gordon, mm-hmm. Roger Mears, all these West Coast guys right. that, that went to Indy. Um, I, I thought that was my, my path. And then when Chevrolet told me they were pulling out of, uh, of open wheel and if I wanted to pursue a career in motorsports, I had to move to Charlotte. Uh, I was faced with a decision. I'm like, man, I don't have much going on. I'll move to Charlotte. I'll try that. <laughs> so right, right. Off I went. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you look at your at your career path. There's no doubt. Uh, tell me, please, that you gave Clint Boyer a ton of crap for his his NASCAR whole shot move at Atlanta Supercross. Man, I was torn because his commitment <laughs> level was so high. I had such it was, pride. It was high. I'll give you Holy that. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. Then uh, the next day, I texted him. I'm like, "So, uh, how are you feeling?" And he said he said he was fine, which I, I don't know. But um, he threatened to come in with a neck brace on and on crutches to the drivers' meeting oh, for the car race. And I'm like, dude, you have to do this. <laughs> so he didn't. And I'm like, man, what's up? He's man, I just couldn't stir the pot anymore. I was already in hot enough water. So um, yeah, that tough block wasn't there, man. We could have had a serious injury, like for reals. Like it for was, real. it was, he was really going fast. <laughs> I always knew he was committed, but he just proved yeah. everybody yeah. How committed. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Johnson here, the great Jimmy Johnson on the uh, RacerX Online podcast before we let you go. Um, how much, look, you're, I mean, you're the biggest, you know, motorsports star, I would say, in, in North America. Uh, people all over the world know your name. Does it ever 
sometimes stop and look around and be like, holy crap, I can't believe it. You know, like, this has got to be just nuts. No, I mean, at times there's an aha moment, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I never, I didn't race because I wanted to be somebody. I raced because I just loved the experience, and I've chased that high since I was five on dirt bikes. Um, there's no doubt that it's provided so much for me. I have an amazing life and so thankful for it. But the stardom side is just something I don't get used to, and I'm not sure many do. I, I think some are wired for it, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe society today, it's it's much more of a, a desired thing to be or have. But for me, it was all about racing. It was all about riding, and it's turned into so much more. So uh, quite a journey for sure. Um, I've I got to pinch myself when I see where we are with race wins and championships and the opportunities in history, you know, that I have in front of myself. Right. If look, you make a you make a nice living doing the uh, NASCAR thing, but if you could make that same living and race anything, Jimmy, anything at all, you've done every, you've raced just about everything. There's probably some go karts we're missing, or you know, something like that. Um, what would you race? Man, the hard thing is I can't pick one. <laughs> I've been stuck in one vehicle for 18 years now, and I'm right. dying to drive some other cars. <laughs> You're like something uh, else. I want to get back in off-road trucks. I love endurance sports cars. I've never been in an Indy car or an open-wheel vehicle. I'd love to you know, take a spin in a Formula One car. Like I'd mix together yeah. uh, a few things. I've had a chance to drive a World Rally car, and that was just so rad. So I'd like to mix in a little bit of that, too. Maybe some moto for the old farts. Yeah, uh, yeah. Old farts class, whatever it would be. Yeah, uh, Jeff Gordon tried an F1 car, huh? He said it was nuts. He did. Um, <laughs> I, literally, after three or four laps, his neck was so smoked from driving that thing, he, he couldn't hold his head up. Crazy. Um, yeah. So, okay, so you're avoiding the question. You'd race everything. That's what, that's what you'd race. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to pick. I, I, right now, I think one of my biggest things is to get back into an off-road truck. I'd say that's, that's one of the top priorities. I, I watch these guys now mm-hmm. and see how fast the trucks are. Um, I've even seen some desert clips with whatever trophy truck Robbie Gordon's built recently, and I can't believe how fast it is and <laughs> what, it, what it gets over. So uh, I'd probably head back to the off-road trucks first. Speaking of Robbie Gordon, he's talented, huh? He, that guy could drive just about everything. Like you, he could just drive a ton of stuff. Yeah, he's never been short on talent. There's, there's no doubt of that. No doubt. Well, uh, Jimmy, uh, thank you for your time here on the on the Racer X Online podcast. Uh, continued success this year in NASCAR. I know all of our moto guys. We love to hang on to anybody that sort of loves moto outside of moto. You know, because we feel we have this. I don't know. We feel like we're all. Um, we have no confidence in our sport, and so we love we love it when guys like you. Should. You guys have a great product, but I know what you're saying. When Wardy was in IndyCars, there was like some crazy cool attachment that uh, Jeff Ward was almost going to win the Indianapolis 500 oh, that one year. Yeah, there was full magazine stories on him. Even and yeah. you know who we're also attached on, and that I did one of these with a little while ago. We love ourselves some Vanilla Ice. <laughs> like uh, like he loves moto. He was all into moto. He does love moto, and he promotes he all it. In. And we so we loved Vanilla Ice. We loved Jimmy Johnson. We yeah, all that. So uh, thank you. Thanks again. I appreciate the time. I know you're a busy dude. And uh, good luck with the rest of the season, man. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, 
there's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Right,